0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Give me everything that moves. I don't care who it is. Let's do. Give me everything you got. Play fast. Play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's quarter time. It's
1: quarter time.
0: Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy.
1: That's right of the week. And we're looking at one of the brightest stars in the league today as the Eagle line, the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 310. At the top of this week's show, we've got Scouting Report, where I chat with Ben Fennell about quarterback Justin Herbert. We're taking a look at a bunch of the throws from over a four game sample in the middle of the season. But it's not just about Justin Herbert, because this is also a little bit of a look into the philosophy of New Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, who had that same role in L.A. last year. What does the film tell us about this offense and about Justin Herbert? We'll talk about it right at the top of the show. Before we get there, just a couple items on house cleaning. First, number one, I ask each of you every week to go to our Apple podcast page and leave us a rating and a comment. I'm going to do it again. Not only does it help us in making the show more visible to other podcast listeners, but it also helps us in being able to answer your questions. So if there's a topic that you've ever wanted covered, if you want a specific play or a philosophy, any kind of scheme, a specific player uh, that you want us to evaluate for our scouting report series, we've got the draft coming up. We've got free agency right around the corner. You name it, we will answer it right here on the show. I appreciate everybody that has gone and done that already. The other thing I wanted to hit on real quick, If you guys enjoy my talks here with Ben every single week, make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. And then if you enjoy my weekly conversations with Greg Cosell every week during the fall here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, well... Guess what? I've got good news for you because Greg is going to be with me every single week over on the Journey to the Draft podcast as well. Starts this week. We're going to be talking about some of the top players in the country on a weekly basis as Greg goes through the film as well. So you can go find those conversations wherever podcasts can be found. Again, that's the Journey to the Draft podcast. All right, enough about Journey. Let's get this show going. It's time now to dive into our chat about Justin Herbert in Scouting Report.
0: Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report.
1: Well, excited to dive into this chat as I welcome in uh, my friend Ben Fennel. Ben, uh, this was fun, man, to kind of go through the film on Justin Herbert. Obviously, there was so much buzz about Justin and the way that he played this year. So we went through that four-game sample, all of his third down throws um, from weeks 10 to 13. I think it was 52 plays, I believe, going in. But it was a uh, fun study. It was a fun watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't feel like there's enough of a reflection process about the rookies after their first year. We obviously poke and prod and analyze these kids to death. They get taken. We watch them intently during the season. But you really need to take a step back sometimes from the prospect and really evaluate the collective body of work, the team they were in, the situation, what they were asked to do, their participation, and then weigh that with the draft capital that they spent. And you know, having some reflective postseason thoughts about the rookies that we just saw, I think is all about kind of, the process moving forward and, you know, studying the next process, you know, a group of prospects and how they fit in. And um, I think doing this type of work and studying the NFL game is really important for the future years of scouting college players.
1: Yeah. And that's why, honestly, my first question is always to you, Like if you had like a strategy going in, or if there was something specific that you were looking for that you wanted to kind of keep an eye on for me, the one of the first things I did before I even turned the film on was I would just went back and reread my notes on Herbert when he was coming out of Oregon last year um, and just trying to recalibrate my mind. So like, all right, like, this is what I thought of him a year ago. Now let's see you know what we saw. Uh, you know, and again, four game sample. Uh, but here's what we saw from him as a rookie. And I just kind of recalibrate the mind a little bit before sitting down and watching the tape.
0: Yeah, I don't really have an agenda. And I think that allows me to be a little bit more flexible and fluid with what I'm seeing in my process. And obviously I'm watching the quarterback, but I'm paying attention to the collective scheme and how he's being used, what he's being asked to do, uh, how friendly the system is, and if the quarterback is completing his tasks or not. So um, I'm looking at him in much more of a person in a group as opposed to in the college game i'm really studying that individual and trying right. to rip apart the what's different about the ability in the scheme and in this one i'm trying to watch his ability in the scheme um if that makes any sense kind of a uh you know, convoluted way to look at it, but it's very open-ended the way I, you know, I go into this.
1: Sure. Well, before we get into our five burning questions, we always kind of start things off with some stats that matter. You got a couple for us uh, that you felt were important uh, and pertinent to this study.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just to recalibrate what we did, we watched Justin Herbert third down passes from weeks 10 to 13. So that was four games coincidentally all against AFC East opponents, which is unique. Yep. Yep. No question. So that four-game stretch, I looked at Justin Herbert collectively around the league. And I thought one of the most impressive things that we'll talk about was the decisive nature of his play. And he got the ball out in those four games on third down faster than Tom Brady. Wow. Who, who has set the world on fire this year with getting the ball out of I his I mean, hands. you talked about that last week. Right? No question. And the other interesting stat, in those four games – Justin Herbert, rookie quarterback. What do we typically see at a young, you know, young quarterbacks? Out of structure, play creation, you know, improvisation. You don't always know what you're looking at, especially on third downs. Might get some exotic blitzes, some disguises, some exotic coverages. What can you rely on? You're young. Use your legs. Be an athlete. Make something happen. In those four-game stretch, friend, Justin Herbert had one scramble on third down.
1: Hmm.
0: One scramble. He never seemed confused. And even that scramble
1: and the scramble was for three yards, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And that was on third and two. (laughs) It was a quick game concept. His initial read wasn't there and he took off right away. So even that scramble was decisive. And this just isn't what you typically see out of a young, particularly a rookie quarterback, decisive and playing within structure, you know, from the pocket. Those are two things that typically come with the veteran style of play, things that we talk about with the Philip Rivers and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and all those aging veteran quarterbacks. The fact that Herbert played this way on third down in his rookie year really, really impressed me friend. So I love
1: that. And it was a great, it's a great point. They didn't really move the pocket all that much either. So it wasn't like, I mean, they let him
0: just operate uh, from the pocket. And that wasn't exactly, you know, the Berlin wall of an offensive line to play behind, you know, they had some issues here and there, they had some injuries. Like, you know, everybody did. Yeah. Uh,
1: To me, there were a couple of things that stood out and I did chart. Uh, It was 56 plays. I charted all 56. And there were a couple of things that I was looking for, but one thing that stood out 100% of those plays from the, from the shotgun, 100% one hundred percent of those plays from eleven personnel. Not one came from a different personnel grouping. I thought uh, that was interesting in and of itself. And then the other big thing was this is a team, and you know, with the, the change in coaching staff and like kind of looking around at different offenses around the league just over the last few weeks. I knew going in the Chargers were not a big pre snap motion team. They, going in, if you look at the whole season, they were twenty sixth in the NFL in motion percentage, so bottom third of the league. But then when you look on third down. Their motion percentage was sixth in the league. Huge, huge jump on third down. Now, I'm going to get to why uh, here in a little bit. But to me, uh, I thought that was really, really interesting—the huge jump in how often they used motion uh, on third down. And I think that was a, uh, a there was a big reason behind that. So that being said, oh, well, you know, what? I'll, I'll just keep rolling here. My bur- my first burning question for you was going to be the biggest takeaway from the Chargers' plan of attack. And for me, that takeaway has to do with that motion. I thought that they did a really good job, and this is, again, kind of speaking to uh, the philosophy and the scheme uh, from Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. I think when you look at what they were trying to do, third down, money down, you're trying to get the ball to your best players. You're trying to get the ball to Keenan Allen, to Hunter Henry, to Mike Williams. And I thought that they did a really good job using motion to not necessarily get uh, answers to questions for, from a man zone standpoint or uh, create lanes in the running game for uh, for the backs. We've talked about that in for the different offenses we've studied over the last few weeks. To me, it was, hey, let's put this guy in motion to get him free from coverage. Let's get this guy from motion to get him free access up to the secondary. Maybe we're going to motion him into a bunch or we're going to motion him to a two-man stack set. We're going to try and put this guy on the move to keep the defense off of them. And I thought they did a really good job of doing that throughout the course of that four game stretch.
0: Love the way they moved Keen and Allen around. But when I took a step back and looked at those 50, 60, third down plays, yeah. you know, there's a high percentage of empty. Yep. But collectively it was almost all spread spacing formations. Yep. Even when they were in empty, you might've had a back in there. There was typically plus splits receiver outside the numbers. What does that do for a young quarterback? it's defensive truth serum. It's tougher to disguise coverages, tougher to disguise pressures when you have a spread spacing formation. So that all plays into Justin Herbert being decisive. And like I just said a moment ago, never really seemed confused out there. Never had that exotic blitz where he panicked, his eyes dropped, and he had to scramble for his life. A lot of that has to do with the formational usage and making sure Hey, you know, these condensed sets where you have all these tight formations, those are exciting for him. Those also bring tight, condensed defenses into the picture as well. More condensed defenses, more threats. You don't know where they're coming. So there's pros and cons to each of these schemes. So I love that the Chargers did a little bit more of a spread them out. Let's have that defensive truth serum. Let's have Herbert know where to go with the football pre-snap. And I think post-snap, you really saw that, uh, you know, decisive nature really come out.
1: Yeah, I think that that uh, is certainly uh, something that, that stood out, really, from snap to finish, you know, from those four games. You know, I think we, it started with the Miami game all the way up uh, through the New England game. I thought that was a pretty consistent theme. Um, with that in mind, was there a, a was there a one play in particular uh, that kind of stood out to you uh, that you were like, man, like th- this one individual snap uh, was <laughs> really impressive
0: for you? Well, as much as I love the spacing element of it, a lot of those kind of schematic elements are very vanilla. So my one play actually is a little bit about your takeaway and the motion aspect. And I hope I'm not stealing your play, but I'm actually going with the Keenan Allen play on third down against the new England Patriots. Okay. For plus 24 yards. And this was pre-snap motion, moving Keenan Allen from left to right across the formation. Stefan Gilmore follows him across, obviously in an assignment, you know, matchup that yep. day on third down, I'm going to take away Keenan Allen. What does that tell him? Man to man. But you motioned Keenan Allen into a bunch. And then you had the point man surge out first and rub and bump Stefan Gilmore on the release and the route stem. So you got the pre-snap coverage identification. You hid Keenan Allen into a bunch. You then gave his defender traffic to work through. And then Keenan Allen obviously had a wicked in-breaking route that Justin Herbert was staring right down saying, I'm going right to my go-to guy through it with anticipation Separated about three, four yards on the former defensive player of the year. But just to see those elements give the quarterback information, help the receiver uncover in combination with just, you know, uh, using that, you know, finding a way to open up, you know, for your uh, number one receiver. You know who you want to go to on third down, but all those schematic elements to help the execution of the play, help give the quarterback information. I just thought that was a really great example against a really good corner. I love that. So to me, like uh, that was one of my favorite Keenan Allen catches from
1: that four-game stretch. My favorite, though, was this one. It was the touchdown catch against Buffalo, and it was low red zone. It is a similar kind of situation because it started in a three-by-one set. You had three receivers to the right. I believe it was the tight end. I believe it was Hunter Henry, lone receiver to the backside to the left, and Keenan Allen was the number three receiver. And I think pre-snap, you're looking at it, Looked like Buffalo had kind of a double bracket set up, where all right, we're going to bracket one receiver here, bracket another receiver here, and I think the one on the right that they were going to bracket for sure was going to be Keenan Allen. You kind of look at the the safety's eyes, he looked at the nickel's eyes, and say, yeah, it looks like this is going to be a bracket pre-snap. Well, I feel like uh, the Chargers they had a sense that this is this was going to be the case. They put Keenan Allen in motion from right to left. And what does that do when you put a guy in motion against uh, a team that's trying to bracket receivers on either side of the formation, that's going to change who's going to end up getting bracketed, especially because you're motioning Keenan Allen behind the tight end. You're creating a stacked set over on that side. So now what you've got is you've got a two by two set. You've got Allen and Henry to the left, and then you've got your other two receivers to the right. The back was also aligned to the left and you ran a three man route concept to that side of the field with the point man, I believe it was Hunter Henry, ahead of Keenan Allen. He kind of released right upfield. The running back goes out to the flat. What that did was create a nice one-on-one, essentially, with Keenan Allen one-on-one against the linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds. And you're looking at it, it's like, if you're you're, uh, the Buffalo Bills fan, you're sitting here, how does Keenan Allen get matched up on Tremaine Edmonds well, they did that through motion, and they did that through the formation. And there was a great way to defeat the bracket, create the matchup you want, and then that also comes down to Justin Herbert being decisive with the football and just sticking it on his guy, understanding, hey, this is what we wanted the entire time, and he puts it on him low and away uh, for the touchdown. To me, that was the my favorite from a pure X and O standpoint. Uh, that play was my favorite from the entire cut.
0: You know, I like that aspect of the offense and something I've been paying attention to across the league for a couple of years is how you can help deploy receivers uh, through different release packages. And Keenan Allen, one of the, you know, sharpest, shiftiest receivers in the NFL getting off the line of scrimmage, getting in and out of breaks. But you can make his life easier. Right. And to put him in a stack behind Hunter Henry there, you made his life getting off the line of scrimmage in the low red zone easier. Now he can run right up on the toes of a, bigger linebacker surge right out of it. And the quarterback knows where to go with the ball. Keenan Allen is great at X, Y, and Z. You can still help him with X, Y, and Z. So I just love that you can make players' lives easier to execute a play. You don't have to make everything so hard on everybody.
1: Dude, you know what that's like to me? Like I've been thinking about this and almost like a cross sport reference would be, look, we see every week, right? It seems like we see a shot of Steph Curry draining a three from like, half court, right. Or like just beyond half court that does when golden state is putting together their, their game plan on a, on a nightly basis, they're not going in and say, all right, we're, we're going to set up all these shots for Steph Curry right around the half court line, because we know he can make that shot. No, they're, they're still setting up shots for him around the three point line. They're not moving that line back because of who Steph Curry is. You're still trying to create some easy opportunities for him. Let him make the Superman plays and he's going to make them because that's who he is, but we still want to set up opportunities for him to be able to do the everyday thing as well and be able to make life a little bit easier for him.
0: It's like the variance and the success rate of executing. Right. And yes, he can make the half course shots. He can make the ones at the top of the key much easier. Yeah. We don't need to figure out every time. Let's figure out how to get to that easier spot better. And if that's a tightly, uh, you know, a more tighter defended area, how can we make it a looser defended area, and that's what it's all about in creating space, finding those matchups, and trying to make offense easier on Sundays.
1: So we talked a lot about the scheme and some of the things that they did philosophically uh, there with the Chargers and the, during this four-game sample. Uh, let's talk about Justin Herbert on an individual basis. My third question: Which traits stood out most to you from Justin Herbert? To me, it was what you brought up earlier. It was the I wrote down two words, and I'm so glad you used the one already: decisive just so like pinpoint with everything he was doing. There was not a lot of holding onto the football or like, oh man, like he left this play on the field. Everything was decisive and he played within the structure of the offense. He did not, to me, he didn't really look like a rookie uh, out there playing. I was very, very impressed from that end of it, watching Herbert in this four game stretch.
0: Yeah, the uh, obviously the dis- decisiveness, even the scramble, like we had talked about, he got to the checkdowns for in a decisive yeah. nature when he was throwing the isolation routes, maybe that isolation receiver on the backside of trips. He put that back foot in and ripped it. No, doubt. not every ball location or placement was great. It's nice yep. throwing to a catch radius receiver like Mike Williams that could kind of hide some of that. But if he was going ISO, he did not hold anything back. Um, but the other interesting thing is. Obviously, I love his ability to hang under pressure. He's a big, tall guy. He's a tough guy. I love as a rookie, Fran, he's not a robot. And he can read and react to stuff really quickly. And sometimes as rookies, you're a bit of a robot. And, you know, some of these isolation rips, yeah, you're a robot. Like, you're throwing that blindly. You're throwing it at one receiver. But when you're working route combinations and there's coverages and a lot of defenders, you can't be a robot. And when you put on that Jets game, Hunter Henry had a touchdown. He looks to Keenan Allen. It's one of those motion plays. You're trying to quickly get it to the motion guy in the flat. A linebacker quickly buzzed into the throwing lane. He got off of that, worked back inside, and hit Hunter Henry. Later in the game, Keenan Allen's running a corner route, but a, the cornerback sinks off of it to the corner. So then he throws the ball back inside. Just that down-to-down willingness to not be a robot, but still execute the pretty much the framework and the design of the play. Yep. Not everything is going to be a whiteboard play where it's exactly how it was drawn up out on the field. You have to be able to adapt, read, react, adjust within the down. And it's a split second thing. A lot of that is an instinctual thing. It's not a, it's a, you know, a human nature thing to not panic as well. And like you just said a moment ago, those aspects, friend, are not rookie traits. Yep. And a lot of these third downs, and we might've picked a, you know, his hot four week stretch right there. And it was fun to watch.
1: I'm going to be honest. I purposely, the reason why I wanted to wait till a little bit later in the season, I feel like he came out like gangbusters early and he was so, so uh, efficient. He was so, so productive when he first kind of, you know, took over as a starter that I was like, all right, let's, I want to let him settle in a little bit. I want defenses to get a little bit more of a grasp of, uh, you know, his film and what he's going to do. Let's wait until a little bit later in the season. So, I don't even, I, I haven't looked at every single four game stretch. I don't know if this was like the worst or not, but I don't, I know it wasn't the best. And so I was glad that we were able to kind of get a full, uh, full look at, it, especially against defenses that, uh, you know, were,
0: were pretty tough schematically in terms of new
1: England and Buffalo and Miami.
0: Yeah. A bunch of different schemes and uh, Buffalo, a little bit more zone, Miami, yep. a lot of cover zero, a lot of man stuff, new England, obviously a great unit with Belichick and yep. the jets, You know, uh, obviously a little bit of a work in progress there, but just four different kind of defensive schemes to look at.
1: No doubt. Uh, So with that said, obviously he wasn't perfect. My fourth burning question, what's one habit or multiple habits that you'd like to see kind of Herbert correct here moving forward into uh, his next year?
0: You know, I struggled with this just a little bit, and I think it's just a little bit more nuanced ball placement, general accuracy, um, and that's something I'm – traditionally going to say for most young quarterbacks. Um, It's nice to have, you know, guys that can separate like Keenan Allen and give you a larger window. It's great to have a catch radius receiver like a Mike Williams to kind of make up for some inaccurate passes, but I think he's just going to get better and better with that. And now that we know he's the guy, now that we know he's going to, you know, stare down the gun barrel in the pocket with it closing down on him, he's going to rip that ball over the middle. He's not shy about executing the roles of the offense. Now, what can we do to make his life easier and to put more weapons around him and put a better offensive line in front of him and commit more to a run game? Now, we got the parts. We're home from the grocery store, Fran. We got what we want in the kitchen. Now, let's come up with the right meal around him to start cooking. So, uh, to me, there was... There were some things, I think, when you look at him falling away from throws,
1: I thought that he did that a little bit too often. Uh, just something, and again, he's got the arm to kind of overcome that a little bit. Um, so it didn't necessarily hurt him. But, you know, if you're trying to nitpick what are some areas that he'd like to get better at? To be honest, man, like, he threw three picks during, during this stretch, right, on third down. The first one was an isolation route on a deep out route, tough throw. You know, not exactly the most QB-friendly throw that you're going to be asked to make. It was third and long. He's throwing a deep out to Mike Williams. Corner jumped it, uh, read it from deep off coverage. It was a great play by the corner. The other two... They were great plays by the defender. I mean, the one against Buffalo, Tredavious White, uh, I mean, this was this was the kind of play that made me fall in love with Tredavious White when he was at LSU. I mean, he's playing in zone coverage. Uh, he's got they, all kinds of eye candy in front of him, doesn't take the cheese, falls back in zone coverage. Herbert never sees him, and he makes the play. The other one was against New England, where they moved the pocket. They rarely moved the pocket uh, for Herbert, but on this one, he's rolling to his right, and they're trying to throw a little throwback play to the left. He doesn't see that the defensive end back there uh, was still kind of lurking in the weeds, and he he jumps the throw uh, for an interception. So I guess if you want to say like, all right, you know, kind of using the uh, the Madden analogy of kind of widening that throwing cone a little bit, uh, <laughs> the passing cone a little bit. I think when you look at him from that standpoint, uh, he got picked off a couple of times by defenders in zone coverage. Um, but outside of that, man, I, I was, I was pretty impressed. I thought he, he looked really good on the hoof, just uh, all four of these games. I thought he did a really good job.
0: How would you grade the difficulty of throws he was asked to make in some of these third down situations? Would you say they were low percentage, high variance plays? Did you feel like they were defined reads for him, giving him easy completions and really letting the skill players kind of go through the brunt of picking up the first down? I know it's a four game stretch. We saw a little bit of everything.
1: Yeah. I honestly, I felt like it was a, it was a good mix of everything. And yeah, you said in terms of, I don't know if it was like 50, 50 split, but there were a lot of plays where I thought, man, like this was a great way to attack man coverage or Hey, this was a great way to attack this bracket and create that matchup Keenan Allen against a linebacker or finding space for Hunter Henry outside the numbers. Uh, you know, I thought they, there was a decent amount of that, There were also some isolation route concepts where, hey, he's going to have to find his matchup pre snap, let that guy, you know, make sure that that guy wins, and he's going to just come back and grip it and rip it, right? I mean, that's ultimately, it comes down to the the quarterback making the right decision there and pulling the trigger. And I thought that he came through on those. They trusted his arm talent, that's for sure, because uh, lots of third and longs, especially, I think, the beginning of the stretch, they didn't quite have Austin Eckler. Kalen Balazs was still kind of finding his way. Uh, The run game wasn't always there. There was a decent amount of third and eights and third and tens and third and sixes, you know, where he's, he's having to work uh, for this yardage, but uh, overall I'd say it's, you know, I would say it'd be right down the middle in terms of high level of difficulty versus like extreme QB friendly play.
0: Yeah. I think that's a fair mix there. And they may look at, you know, some of those isolation plays, which I'm not too fond of. They may look at throwing to Mike Williams one-on-one as a high percentage play. And we've seen that not be a 50-50. That's much more of a 75-25. And when you have that skill set, that's one thing that you lean on in the offense. And, you know, I think there's still room to grow in this offense. Like They designed a lot of horizontal pass game, a lot of shallow stuff, you know, moving number three across the formation and running to green grass. I think there's still room for somebody a little bit more dangerous with the ball in their hands in the offense. Maybe make somebody miss after one of those shallows or one of those quick game concepts, finding more diversity. In the running backs and tight ends in the past game as well. I think this offense is just going to keep growing and growing. I'm really excited for the the future of the offense and kind of this next era of uh, Los Angeles Chargers football.
1: It's uh, you know you have Joe Lombardi coming in from the Saints. Uh, he'll probably bring in some of those concepts you're looking at in terms of uh, similar kinds of things. You know they're going to try uh, and create some of the some space out of their formation variation and uh, you know the, all the different route concepts, two and three man route concepts to uh, to get guys open. But going back to the isolation routes. I mean, when you've got, you mentioned Mike Williams, but you look at Hunter Henry as a, you know, see ball, get ball kind of player. Like, you know, he's he's going to go up and win. And then Keenan Allen is as good as it gets in terms of his ability to win one-on-one as well. Even Austin Eckler out of the backfield is a, is a matchup guy. So, uh, you know, they've got guys that they feel, these are confident guys that we've, you know, that can go out and win some of these one-on-one matchups in space. Uh, let's kind of bring this now uh, to, the, to, the, uh, to a conclusion here. Our fifth one, our fifth uh, burning question. What's one thing you think you noticed that the other person didn't? So I'll let you go first. What's something that you feel like I did not notice that you did?
0: You know, that's really interesting. And obviously, we're talking about the decisive nature of a lot of this and how he rarely held on to the ball. Yeah. But everything happened so fast. He got to check downs fast. He went yep. to that one scramble fast. He got sacked, uh, was it three or four times in, in the stretch?
1: times. I think I got you here. I got a. Uh... And, Fran,
0: all those sacks were fast. Right, Like, the guard <laughs> got beat by Quinnen Williams instantly. He got sacked four and times, yep. Yeah, there's four times. And everything just happened so quickly. Um, and even some of those checkdowns are, you know, going through the progressions quick to the back. And then he had, like, a boneheaded drop out there. So yep. I feel like there was still room to help Herbert. I didn't see it the other way around. Where it was like, ah, Herbert left that one out there. Ah, we need better from Herbert. I was more pointing to the other people and saying, He's got to hold up. He's got to catch that ball. He's got to make that guy miss in space on third and four. and We throw it to him, you know, for one, two yards. It's his job to do that. And for a rookie quarterback, that doesn't happen very often. right? Typically, it's a, oh, he's got to be better here. He's got to be better here. The rookie's got to improve this. He's got to help the veteran out. But I felt like Herbert was way more advanced as a rookie quarterback. I know we keep harping on the same points mm-hmm. here, and definitely something you probably noticed as well.
1: Yeah the uh, the thing that stood out to me that we haven't talked about uh, a lot of seven man protection, and that to me it says like if you're a running back in that offense, you better be able to block. Uh, they put a <laughs> lot on those backs, and, and part of that I feel uh, you know they had some issues on the offensive line, and uh, you know you'll see it, it'll be it might be third and long. They're keeping Hunter Henry in at times to pass protect, but. If you're a back, you better be able to block. I know the their backs gave up a couple of these sacks uh, in the in the games that we watched as well. Um, so you know if the, if that's an element, the, you know certainly something to keep an eye on here uh, in Philadelphia. The running backs, uh, you got to be able to pass protect uh, certainly in that scheme. Uh, with that in mind, let's kind of bring this now topical. What were your favorite aspects of the offense that you're excited to kind of see potentially incorporated
0: here in Philadelphia? You know, I struggle with this one because. We see we're pretty much going to be with a young quarterback, whether it's Hurts, Wentz, somebody else is going to be on the younger side of a quarterback. And we see so many plays made out of structure in the NFL with young quarterbacks. Improvisational skills are a big aspect of young quarterbacks. But one of my favorite aspects of this Chargers offense that I was excited to see here in Philadelphia was actually getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand and maybe taking less or taking some of that pressure off of the quarterback to create. And I think in Philadelphia, particularly, we've seen, you know, the three, four or five years of Wentz, just so much pressure on Carson Wentz to create. And I just like to see a little bit more of this kind of charger style of let's get it out. Let the other people create, whether it's the quick game, whether it's the manufactured opportunistic yards after catch stuff, whether it's just gripping it and ripping it and letting your receivers be the receiving threats that, you know, they're on the team to be. Right. I just want to see more things of getting that ball out and helping the quarterback and making it a more quarterback friendly offense. But with that being said, two of the major aspects of Wentz hurts young quarterbacks is athleticism, is mobility, is making plays out of structure, is allowing defenses and coverages to break down, allowing receivers to uncover late in the down. And that's how Aaron Rodgers blessed us with amazing plays for close to 10 years. He's finally playing within structure. So yep. if you have a young quarterback, that's part of having a young quarterback and having a young, exciting, athletic you know, signal caller. So I kind of go back and forth with that one, Fran, but I'm definitely after the last three, four years of this Eagles offense, we got to do more to help that quarterback get the ball out of his hands. Mm -hmm. To me,
1: I, I really was a big fan of uh, those bracket beaters like, like the one I talked to earlier. Uh, a lot of their man beating concepts. We talked about this when we did the study of the Colts offense, and obviously these guys, uh, Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni, come from the same tree. They're both you know they're both close, so not surprising that a lot of these things will be similar philosophically. But a lot of that was the stuff that got me juice. Like I, I loved some of the things that they did from that aspect of it. Just to, the the idea of here are the guys that are our top playmakers let's make it easy for them to make plays for us. Let's make it easy for the quarterback to be able to to find him in open grass. And so, uh, you know, being able to get those guys the football in space That To me, just that mindset, that philosophy uh, gets me excited. And so just that's something uh, that really kind of stood out to me.
0: And really quick, Fran, like I put up a picture on Twitter a little bit ago to kind of forecast this, and it was a Jets play, and seemingly all four defensive linemen were bearing down on him. And Herbert stood tall. He actually had one of the better passer ratings under pressure uh, across the entire season. The issue I have with that, I don't know if that's coachable. He has some intangible stuff and shows up with some mental makeup stuff that isn't always going to be translatable to other quarterbacks from coach to coach, from offense to offense. So Herbert has some willingness to hang tall, be tough. The fact that his eyes seem to never drop and any of those third down plays speaks to his toughness in the pocket and his mental makeup and his understanding of where to go with the football. I'm a distributor first and foremost. I have to do my job. Um, That's not easy to replicate of young quarterbacks. So there is some unique aspects of the quarterback in, in LA that uh, obviously won't translate everywhere.
1: Dude. Isn't it funny that that was the question everybody had a year ago was like, Oh, you know, like Herbert's got a great arm and he's athletic. He's a big, strong kid. He looks great. But like, Oh, yeah. I don't know if he's got it. I don't know if he's got that it factor. Can he stand up in front of the room and motivate his team? Like, is he is he that tough guy or is he like uh, you know the, this this guy from the Pacific Northwest that's you know easy breezy? But then what do you see? You see this guy who's tough as nails in the pocket and uh, you know delivering under pressure and making all these big time throws. Uh, it's just funny the the narratives that get spun uh, around all these guys. and but were, how do
0: you she- figure that out? You know how do how do you yeah, no if, question. if those <laughs> are your questions? Is right. it like a. Uh, You don't find out a player is not coachable until you start coaching them kind of thing. And there are some things are tough to figure out in the draft. And you could spend X amount of dollars, X amount of people, X amount of resources on studying, poking and prodding these draft players or these draft prospects. It's not a perfect science for a reason. And it's not that these teams or decision makers are dumb if a player doesn't work out there's just some things you can't figure out about the person, the employee, the teammate, the coworker until they, they get in your building and put on your helmet. And then you realize, ah, oh, sheesh, we made a mistake. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work closely with Matt Millen for a number of years and he has a bit of a stigma around him and his time in Detroit, but he is so candid and so open about some of the mistakes he had made yeah, and some things that you're a bit blinded to, uh, before the process. And It's really fascinating to talk to him about some of those. And he knew right away, you know, he drafted a quarterback early and knew right away, one of the first times meeting him in the building, sheesh, I made a mistake. And it was just really funny to hear when he identified that and how he reflects on it, you know, after the, after the fact. I mean, I know how much you love the
1: over the emotional overreaction to, uh, you know, player performances and, and the living in the right now. Uh, so <laughs> hey, it's just, a, a few- it's a
0: binary world, Fran. Yeah. You're either the greatest or the worst. you either up here or you're going to be replaced. <laughs> so where are we putting Justin Herbert? Oh,
1: yeah. That's what I was just going to ask you. Like, <laughs> do you have the, are you, are, are we like, uh, making the jacket? Are we summon the jacket already, the gold jacket? Or are we, uh, you know, getting ready to draft another quarterback next year in LA? Sure.
0: I mean the jacket's made. I may be getting <laughs> maybe getting his arm length just to write it down. Um his figure is he a 42 long type of guy or not just to get it ready. Um but if I had to say, you know, uh contender pretender type of thing is he I'm a believer. I'm okay. a I I think Justin Herbert looked incredible last year and now it's that uh kind of re-reflection on the mm. pecking order of the draft last year and with these small sample of uh, Joe Burrow and Tua and he looks like the darling of the 2020 draft class mm. and now teams are saying Dolphins are saying did we make the mistake and even the Bengals may be looking over their shoulder to say hmm, I'm not sure our guy looked like that his rookie year so a lot of football to be played ahead for these guys uh, these rookie seasons obviously in this climate we didn't even talk about the climate that these rookies had to play in No, with no training camp and the COVID and everything. It's just another aspect that we can be you know, blown away with what Justin Herbert did uh, in 2020.
1: Yeah. Well, this was certainly a fun study. And if, if you guys don't home- think
0: you're getting out of this without saying your vote on the temperature of Justin Herbert either.
1: Oh, I've got the bus. The bus is behind me. It's like, Oh yeah. I don't know if you can see it. It's like, I've got it on the shelf. We're just, I'm going to send it over to Canton as soon as, uh, you know, as soon as I get the time. Yeah. I don't know if I'll have, I'll have the time at some point soon. Um, <laughs> No, it was he was really impressive. Uh, Herbert was a a fun study to watch for sure. Um, All right, so uh, certainly a lot of fun breaking this one down for everybody at home. I hope you guys uh, were able to to watch along with us. And if you've got ideas for things that you want us to break down here on the show, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave it in the in the in the comment section there, and we'll break it down. So uh, maybe we'll do some draft prospects. Maybe we'll do some other young players around the NFL. Some other schemes that really stood out this year. We'll kind of we'll we'll dabble here and there. Uh, But for next week. Here's our plan. We're going to take a look. Uh, and we're going to go back to the Indianapolis Colts here, but we're going to go to the defensive side. And so next week, what we're going to do is we're going to watch all of Indianapolis's defensive turnovers. So all the interceptions, all the fumble recoveries and all the turnover on downs they had a bunch of those as well so I think it was like 30 plus plays uh, I'll post the list uh, on Monday on my Twitter account but you can go just kind of game by game just find all of those turnovers that they created on defense uh, the reason why topical uh, the, the Eagles new defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon comes from that Colt staff he was the defensive backs coach so uh, we'll kind of talk through what are the things we saw from the best defenses in the NFL with Matt Eberflus as the defensive coordinator and we'll see uh, you know how this defense was able to have as much success uh, as they did last year so that'll be a fun study uh ben fun as always man we will uh, talk to you next week right here on the journey to the or not on the journey to the draft podcast on the eagle on the sky podcast fueled by gatorade great stuff from ben who you could follow on twitter just like i do at ben fennel and while you're at it i'm at eagles xos that's where i post all the podcasts i'm a part of and all of our x's nose content that we produce here at eagles entertainment you know i greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media That's one way to support this show, but the other way is to go on an Apple podcast or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. I want to give a shout out today to someone who did just that. Henry North knuckles left a five-star review saying, love the great info and insight you guys provide into the game and it's deeper meanings. One interesting thing going into the draft or free agency that I would like to hear more of is going into each position on the Eagles roster and giving them a letter. grade. Thank you. And keep it up. That's a great one, uh, Henry. I think it's a good idea for a podcast. Maybe we do that uh, leading up to the draft. We'll let free agency, let the kind of dust settle here on the early parts of the offseason, go into the draft. Uh, we'll kind of go position by position and look at this team uh, as they go into one of the critical moments of the offseason calendar. So, uh, love that. Great idea there from Henry. We will definitely do that later this spring. Great question. Thanks so much to him and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here at Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Line on the Sky podcast podcast fueled by Gatorade for everybody here at the Duffy house. I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week. In just over three years, Eagles Autism Foundation has raised millions of dollars for autism research and care. But this is about so much more than just fundraising. This is about making a transformational difference in the lives of those affected by autism. This is about bringing our community together. With inclusive, sensory-friendly events and accessible resources, we meet families where they need us most and where we can serve them best. Together, we're united in our mission to improve the lives of the autism community and to turn awareness into action. It's what we focus on. Every day in every way.